Ah, beloved, I'm Pastor Trey, and you're now listening to the New Living Translation. This is Bonafide Bible Talk, because God speaks my language too, and I'm sure enough about to act like it. Let's go. Yo, some of y'all been around the New Living Translation since the beginning, all three seasons. Some of y'all are new around here. Either way, I am so grateful that you've been along with me for this ride. Now, if you haven't heard, my first ever book, Theologizing Bigger, homilies on living freely and loving holy, will have its birth date. It's coming into the world on January 16th. This is January 16th, 2024 coming up right now. And I'm so daggone excited to get this book out there in the world. And I wanted to ask a favor of you, if you wouldn't mind. Yes, you, listening to this right now. I wanted to see if you would consider being on my launch team. And maybe you don't know what that means. It's cool, I'm explaining it to you right now. The launch team is fairly simple. We're going to ask four things of you. Number one, that you would pre-order the book. Number two that you would read the book before it comes out. Yeah, that's the exciting part to me. You get to read the book soon. You don't even have to wait till January 16th. We will send you a digital copy of the book beforehand. And the reason we do that is because once the book drops on January the 16th, we're gonna ask you to leave a review, whether that's on Amazon or Goodreads or Barnes and Nobles or wherever you get in your books at, bookshop.org. We want you to leave a review talking about how dope this book is. Well, we want you to leave an honest review. But honestly, I think this book is dope. So I'm saying the same thing twice. And then the last thing we're going to ask you to do is after you've ordered that book, after you've read the advanced copy that we're going to send you, after you've left a review, is to share the word about this book on social media, in person with your family and friends at your churches and your schools, all in places. Let people know about this book. Now, some of y'all is already excited enough. You don't need me to say no more. And if that's you, head to pastortreo5.com slash launch team right now. I'm going to go ahead and put the link in the show notes as well. So you can just click from there. But it's pastortreo5.com slash launch team. We'll go ahead and get you set up in that situation. Now, some of y'all going to need a little more convincing. And with that in mind, I wanted to give you a quick preview about what you can expect from this book. And because this show is called The New Living Translation, Bonafide Bible Talk with Pastor Trey, I'm going to read a part of a chapter called The Very Word of God. And in this chapter, I talk about my relationship with the Bible, which is really how this podcast itself got started. And so without any further ado, we're going to have us some Bonafide Bible Talk about the very Word of God and theologizing bigger. Let's get into it. Chapter 1, the very word of God. If God didn't alter every word of the Bible with their very own hands, then we have to introduce shaky things like reason and perspective when we read. People try to tell me about seminary. I even heard pastors jokingly refer to it as cemetery. Looking back, I'm not sure if they were actually joking or if it was one of those laugh to keep from crying situations. But I've been warned, seminary would not be gentle on my faith. Those warnings did not land, because I'm hard-headed. I remember the day I found out the hard way. God does not have an autograph. There are no recordings of God. 
I ain't know if my biblical studies professor was saved after I heard him say that. It didn't matter though. I couldn't spot a lie on what he said. I'd never seen God's handwriting. The urban philosopher Pusha T once autographed a bootleg CD for me on a flight we both boarded to Miami. I've seen his handwriting. I've never seen God's handwriting. I've heard so many voices over the course of my life. I cannot prove beyond a reasonable doubt that any of them belong to God. I do not think there is a forensics lab on the planet that can rightly identify the voice of God, and yet so much of my faith depended on understanding each and every word of the Bible as the very words of God. What was I supposed to do with this faith now that I couldn't be certain about any of that anymore? I should have listened. Seminary was the worst. I am a product of the black church. And while I'd never use the word evangelical to describe my faith, it's often a fair descriptor of some of the things I was raised to value. One of those things is the centrality of the Bible. You take the Bible seriously. No, the Bible does not make this claim about itself. A central tenet of our belief is that the Bible is the word of God. The Bible does say that all scripture is inspired by God, but the person who wrote those words didn't have the same Bible we do. The collection of writings we now call the Bible was loosely and unofficially defined for the first few centuries after the ink on the last of its pages dried. The Bible was not written as one single book. It's a collection of writings from multiple people writing to diverse audiences in considerably different contexts. But it didn't matter. Where I'm from, interrogating the Bible was questioning God's word. And that's something you just don't do. I wasn't too good at following instructions, though. If there was room to ask questions, I was going to ask questions. And if there wasn't room to ask questions, I'd squeeze them where they didn't fit. I needed things to make some kind of sense. I found comfort and clarity. But getting there always got me accused of questioning God's word. Jacob got a whole blessing and a brand new name for outright trying to whoop God's tail in a mixed martial arts match one time. I know the story well. I spent a lot of time in God's word. But somehow, I was out of pocket for having questions every now and then. I did not feel welcome where I could not bring my questions. My questions are a part of me. I think I got it from my father, who never met a convention or expectation that he wasn't willing to question. He was known for carrying a notebook full of graphing paper around, where he tried to figure some things out and architect new things where current things didn't make sense to him. We are two people largely defined by curiosity and wonder. Regardless of how uncomfortable or annoying other people found them to be, all the lessons I've learned in life are tied to questions. They show me where my insecurities exist. They guide me through curiosity and into growth. Leaving my questions behind would render me feeling stuck and incomplete. Eventually, I took me and my questions out into the world. For some reason, people outside the church weren't as worried about me having questions. In fact, questions were encouraged. I discovered that many of them had the same questions. I found decent company among the questioners. This was a balm to my curious soul. But my people will always be my people. I still had people in the church. I still had people who walked with the word of God. The word did the talking while they journeyed alongside it, giving silent assent sometimes and enthusiastic affirmation in others, but still never questioning it. I traversed these two worlds clumsily, 
blurring the lines between the company of questioners of the word and guardians of the word. There were times I'd forget to check my questions at the door in the company of the guardians, and other times I would forget to ask enough questions when I was with the questioners. Things went on this way until I decided to just be me. Being me was at once the easiest and the hardest decision I'd ever make. Deciding to be me was easy because being me was what I'd always felt led to do. This latent, unfulfilled desire was the source of most of my tensions. It was the force that dragged me against some grains. Being me meant listening to the voice calling me beyond the paths others had decided for me. In many senses, it wasn't hard at all to stop resisting that voice. But deciding to be me also felt like a betrayal of my community. Felt as though being me would disappoint some people I deeply cared about. Taking up the space that being my authentic self required seemed like it might leave me all on my own. That was an intimidating prospect. The me that I decided to be was no longer concerned with how people felt about the case full of questions I carried around with me. The me that I decided to be was fine with the Bible meaning more to me than it did to so many of the questioners, even as I felt like I was sticking out in whichever company I happened to find myself. I found freedom in being me. I'm glad I made that decision. All right, that's it for now. I ain't going to read my whole book on the podcast, but if you did want to read some more, you can go to pastortrail5.com slash book, and there's a lengthier excerpt over there. It's real long. As a matter of fact, I was talking to my publisher like, yo, you sure you want to do all this? They need to buy something. But nah, go check that out. You can read the whole forward by Candace Marie Bimbo. You can check out some of the endorsements, what other people are saying about the book. I'll link to all of that information in the show notes as well on my publisher's website. But this is getting really real. And again, my ask here is that you would consider partnering with me once again and joining up on this launch team. And you can do that at pastortrail5.com slash launch team. All we asking is that you would sign up to read the book a little bit early and help us tell people about Theologizing Bigger, homilies on living freely and loving holy. Let me pray with you. God, we thank you for the doors that you have opened for us. Give us the courage to walk through them in our truest, most authentic selves as you see us. In Jesus' name, amen.